So if you're digging for a living as you listen to this podcast, you know there's no better skid steers and mini excavators than Kubota. Victoria's number one Kubota construction dealer is Supergroups. You won't dig up a better deal. Full on service, no empty promises. Supergroups.com.au Good morning. The AFL preseason's now complete. The glimpses given and the impressions made left for us to ponder and to assess. The AFL will this afternoon make its views clear on the rules with broad approval for 666 and intense debate around the 50-metre penalties and restrictions on the runners. Given all the work that has been done to lead footy here, it's hard to imagine that Steve Hocking would flinch now. Still, it'll make for a lively week, particularly when the coaches come together with the AFL on Thursday. We live the journey of the season with Nathan Buckley in 2018 and we will do so again this year. He'll be in the studio shortly to begin his weekly slot after the experience of Morwell yesterday. More broadly, there's the barrier draw for the All-Star Mile and the build-up to the Australian Grand Prix, which we will indulge in as the morning unfolds. But let's start with Essendon. There's a small number of teams being fitted up in the rather curious category, I always think, of finals or bust. The Bombers seem to be top of that list. What does two losses in the JLT do to expectation and what lies in store? It's Essendon Membership Day here at SEN, and it's a perfect chance to have the Chief Executive, Xavier Campbell, in the studio. Xavier, welcome to SEN. Thanks for having me, Jared. What does two JLT losses do to the, to the lead-up to the season? Well, not an enormous amount, obviously. It's more about probably the way you're playing to the coaching staff are most intently focused on. Um, so for us, you know, there's... New, slightly new defensive structure our guys are starting to focus on, um, some new rules to adapt to. Um, all in all, um, we probably would have liked a bit more consistency in that process, but um, I feel like I feel pretty confident going around one, though. All right, so just tap into your supporter base for us as we're specifically talking to your members today. Is What do you sense from them coming to 2019? I think our supporter base want to see improvement. You know, they want to see consistency. They want to see a, a team that competes hard um, four quarters every week um, in increasingly competitive competition. You know, we were speaking about that, that earlier today, that uh, you know, you've got a competition that is more even than it's ever been, uh, and it's a good thing. You know, we, we, want, we want to see that. Um, but we see with our list, you know, we've, got a, we've got great talent on our list. We've spoken about that on a number of occasions. We've got good coaching staff, um, and they want to see improvement uh, year on year, and I think they'll see that. Do you think there's impatience? Uh, I think for many supporter bases is impatience. I mean, everyone wants success. Um, that was probably a really hard part for, for our list management team and others to to build a list strategy that wasn't necessarily going to be a flash in the pan that was hopefully going to be um, sustainable to build for a period of you know opportunity to achieve success. And I, th- I think we've been able to do that. Our under-25 list is really strong and that's been a very deliberate strategy. So... Um, we all want to achieve success. There's no doubt about that. But you've got you know 17 competitors that are all trying to do the same thing as well. What about the very specific goal of making the finals? Yeah, I think we're like any other team. We would want to challenge to be playing finals, and clearly, you know, for us, we want to be challenging to win finals games, and that's 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 no different to to so many others. Um, but we want to do it in a way that we think can be sustainable over a period of time, and that's you know that's been a big focus for John and his coaching staff, a big focus for the list management committee. Um, and, you know, I, I do feel like we're on the right path. Are you ready now 
or are you more of a futures prospect? Um, I think I think we're coming to a period where we can absolutely uh, do it over a sustainable period of time. Whether this year's the year, I think, yeah, you know, I'd like to think we are playing finals this year. Like, like all of not John and his coaches, like the players, that's that's an ambition. Um, a lot can change in the period of time. There's injuries, a whole range of other factors, but um, our focus has to be on the here and now, keeping our our, our 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 focus on round one with GWS. And it sounds cliche, but it's absolutely true. You have to be focused on the process um, more than the output, more than the, the outcome, uh, and that's how our coaching staff have taken that. Were there lessons from the start of last year that were learnt and are heeded as you approached the new season? Yeah, I think there was. I think, um, you know, we got in there and there's there maybe a little bit of misalignment around some of the things we're doing. I think John worked really hard to ensure, and with, with Dan Richardson as well, to ensure that that focus was sharpened. And we got to a point where we, we played, you know, when we got to, it was at the end of round round eight, and I remember thinking, all right, what, what are our key objectives now between now and the end of the year? We were two and, two and six, and that was a, you know, it wasn't the ideal position by any stretch. And our focus was really about the development of younger players, the style of football, and then particular wins and losses. Um, and whether people like that or not, wins and losses have to still be part of a, a key performance indicator. And we were able to identify a clear brand of football, and that was the pressure, it was fast moving, it was high scoring. Um, we were able to find some young players come through the system that shown that they could be you know, really 10-year you know, players, 12-year players, 150-game players. And we were able to do that, and we want to continue that momentum going into this year as well. Did you... Review things at the end of last year, or did that period actually give you? No, that's where that's where we planted our flag. That's the evidence that we built, and thus the journey continues on almost from round nine without um, without what might typically happen at the end of. Yeah, the season. I think the latter. I think that's right. I think it brought forward a sharper focus on where our improvement was going to come from. Um, clearly, you know, Dan started to look at all right, who's going to add the most to our coaching structure, and that was a deliberate, quite a deliberate focus. To then, you know, gave us a, gave us probably a head start around some competitors around who we wanted to target then, and obviously Ben Rutten was one uh, that Dan really sharpened his focus on, and that was that was right. Uh, and and Ben's already been able to add enormous value to an existing coaching group, Hayden Skipworth, and others that that our players really resonate with. Um, and see, you know, I feel like we're on the right path, but but the, the the landscape changes and moves really really quickly. And you know, there's so many good teams in this competition um, that you know it's it's a challenge week to week. Is uh, do you feel like you've given John Warsfold everything that he needs uh, around him as he marches on? Yeah, you know, I think in John's words, he feels comfortable with everything he's received and with 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 the structure we've put around him with with the playing group, but it's it's still ensuring that he's he's already adjusting his defensive game plan this year, and that's that's a year on year piece, and you sort of saw that through our JLT form where there's still some work to be done on that, and that John and Dyson have spoken to that openly over the last week. Um, so you still see elements that are still a work in process, um, but generally speaking. Uh, I think John's pretty comfortable where things are at. Do you uh, do you actively manage expectations, or do you let Essendon, as the power that it has been, the power that it wants to be, run free? It's difficult, and I'm going to be totally honest. As a big team in Melbourne, um, there is an impatience, absolutely, and that's not just for our club; it's for, for many, many clubs. And you, you consider over a long period of time, Essendon hasn't had the success. Uh, that the members would have liked, that, that I would have liked, that others would have liked. It doesn't mean you just deserve it now. Uh, and I think there's an element of trying to, te- to to temper that expectation a little bit. You know, when you look at the competition this year, you've got you know Richmond, Melbourne, Adelaide, 
you know, Collingwood, West Coast, GWS. He's got some some really good sides in that competition. Um, for us, as I said earlier, that's a deliberate focus for us with a much younger list to build for a period where we can really compete because you, you need so many things to go right in this day and age. It's full of opportunity, but also if you, if you, if you slight slip up and you can really be burnt. Um, and for us coming to that, we're, we're coming to a period now where we really feel we can compete for a, for a period of time. In 2019, how, how significant is membership for... Well, for every club, for your club, how big do you need your numbers to be to to get what you need out of it? Yeah, I mean, we've had such a loyal, passionate fan base. I know every every club will say that, and I say that from the context of the position that we we've been through and have come out of. And to be at nearly eighty thousand last year, one of the few clubs to really experience significant growth year on year from twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen, um, and in the importance of you know, have really a membership landscape that's a little bit stagnant across the entire competition um, to continue to drive growth across a main revenue stream to underpin the investment back into your football and the whole range of other initiatives. We've got a facility, facility expansion and other things like that, which we feel are really important to the to the vision of us achieving the vision as a football club. It's incredibly important. And increasing pressure on other traditional revenues, revenues makes it even more important. Is it... So you mentioned stagnant there. So it's over a million dollars industry-wide. Is is membership almost maxed out? I wouldn't say it's maxed out. It's just challenging clubs to think differently about how they they engage with their members, how they, how they bring them to a point where they're prepared to invest when there is just so many entertainment options out there now. And this is not – we're not the only sport that's challenged by this. The NFL in America has, has – you know, they've had some – Real, real challenges, both from a broadcast perspective um, and from a participation perspective. Um, the NBA is probably a bit the opposite. Um, for us, the same sort of challenges we're going through now, you'll see that in terms of the pressure that comes on broadcast and where that's going to come from, you know, the key industry revenue stream um, and what happens there. It's, it's really difficult to work out um, what that looks like into the future because that landscape shifts so quickly. Um, but it's up to the clubs to be innovative and think outside the square to ensure they understand what their members value above and beyond just winning, which is which is clearly the most important element. And then growing revenue in other streams. So how how real is that for for a club like Essendon? Very. Yeah, you know, it's in the last twenty four months. If you think about the incremental investment we've made in different areas of our business, we've we've created an investments and strategy division. We've got an investment banker working it. A guy called Tom Swift from spent some time at West Coast was with Citibank after that. So understands that it comes from a unique perspective because he understands the investment space, but understands AFL football. Brenton Humphreys is our chief strategy officer, and we we wouldn't have had that. Even five years ago, we didn't even thought about putting someone in place that for many back then probably would have seemed like a, a dead investment, but the reality is now the landscape is shifting so quickly. It's so competitive. You have to think about what's, what's the next frontier for us to be able to drive revenues to underpin the core business, which is obviously men's football, but then coming in women's football is going to be part of that core business as well, which is, a, which is another investment stream. So it's significant when people talk at esports and things like that, I mean, Initially, you can imagine trying to pitch esports <laughs> to your board. Yep. You know, this is probably two and a half years ago. So what's esports? Well, people actually pay to watch other people play computer games. Well, it creates a new set of inventory for us to be able to commercialise. It creates a new way to connect with a demographic we hadn't. We're not speaking to it that much, and, and a lot of people will think that fifteen to thirty-five year male, which is year old male, which is 
you would think is a lifeblood football club. That's our most challenging area to get membership growth in. Uh-huh. So that's a space that there's more there's more uh, males in that demographic interested in esports in this country than our AFL football. You know, that, and that says something, and people are surprised when you say that. But we want to be able to connect with them, engage with them, and then hopefully drive them to support the Essendon Football Club. So how creative does the football club of today, tomorrow, need to be beyond getting the core right to be competitive within each season that presents? Very. You know, very. You're talking more from a football perspective, you're talking more from a broader business perspective. Probably both. Probably both. Well, I mean, the equalisation measures and competitive balance have put pressures from below and above onto your football department. Um, You know, not many competitions, professional sporting competitions in the world have both a player cap and then a non-player cap, and I say a football department's been. That's, and that's where you have to, and, and we are just the same as anyone, become more sophisticated in how you measure return on investment. And, that's, and we're, we're very much in a, in a very early stage of being able to do that. But that's, you know, when I think about the investments and strategy division, their focus isn't just about broader business growth. It's about how we get greater growth and return on investment in our football department spend as well. Mm. That's the start of a fascinating conversation, Xavier. It's great to have you in the studio. It's Essendon Membership Day, so become a mighty bomber today at efc.com.au. Throw your arms around the red and black and become a mighty bomber at efc.com.au. Good luck, and uh, we'll chat regularly throughout the season, I'm sure. Thanks very much, Jared. Xavier Campbell, the Chief Executive of Essendon in the studio. Nathan Buckley about to resume his weekly slot on Waitley after the break.